This is Show Up as a Leader, a show from People Forward Network, helping you maximize your positive impact on the world by becoming your best, fully authentic self. So let me just tell you this phenomenal conversation that I had with Corey Blake and Genevieve Georgette was like a big old party. Like we could have talked forever. There was so much laughter. There was so much energy and some real heartfelt emotion and vulnerability. Just to know a little bit about my amazing guests, Corey Blake began his storytelling career as an actor. He actually starred in one of the 50 greatest Super Bowl ads of all time. And back in 2006, he started Roundtable Companies, which serves CEOs, thought leaders, and organizations in helping them unpack and share their authentic story through books, film, video, and art installations. And I had the pleasure of working with Corey when we published our most recent book, Rehumanizing the Workplace with Conscious Capitalism Press. And he's just a phenomenal person. He's got a wonderful TED Talk on why vulnerability is sexy. And he has been featured in numerous publications. And now to Jen for short. She is an executive editor at Roundtable Companies, and she's also a successful author in her own right. She's the co-author of Gathering Around the Table with EarthKind CEO Kari Warburg-Block, which is another fabulous book. And Kari, I had on my podcast, so if you haven't checked that one out, go listen to it. And we just had such a wonderful conversation, and there's just some really wonderful nuggets. And one of the things that I took with me that Jen shared was that we cannot let others' narrative shape who we are. Like, we have to know who we are. We get to author our own stories. And they are on this mission to really help people unearth their own heroic journey. And we talk about not just writing our story, but telling our story and the power of that. And they give some things you can do right now to put some key principles they're teaching others into practice that I'm telling you, you can use them for your team, for your family, for your community. So you want to stay tuned for those. And They really brought forward that, you know what, when we tell stories and we let our authentic self be seen, we can never unsee someone's humanity. And so strap on your bootstraps, sit back, be ready to laugh, to be touched, have a notepad because there are so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom that you're going to want to take away from this episode. I want to dive right in because I love everything that you both are doing. And as you know, I am so passionate about the fact that we have got to own our own stories because if we don't, they own and hijack us. And so I want just to have you start out with telling us why you are so passionate about storytelling. I am passionate about it because I think it is our most powerful tool to create transformation. It is what enables us to live a life that feels empowering helps us create a sense of identity around ourselves. And if we're not careful, we let other people create our stories for us. We let them write them for us. So we need to make sure we're holding the pen in life and that we're writing the best story possible. You said that if we're not careful, other people will write our story for us. Say more about that because I think that is so, so relevant. I got picked on when I was a kid. I would get bullied for being the quiet girl, for being too tall or whatever. And there was a long stretch of time when I let someone else's narrative about me decide who I was. And 
it's easy to fall into that. It's easy to just to let the story that other people write about you become true. And if we don't stop and challenge it and ask really hard questions about it and claim our space as constituents of this planet in this life, then we can get wrapped up in that. We can get consumed. And most of the time when other people are writing those stories, it really has nothing to do with us. I love that so much. We could have a whole conversation just on that. But like, I mean, I coach leaders on this every single day. And we do the work of like looking at their stories from childhood. But even currently, how often do we let ourselves be defined because this one person doesn't like us or this one person has their own interpretation about what happened? And it can be disabling almost as well as unproductive if we let other people define us versus us. I think I think Brene Brown has, I'm going to botch the quote, but it's something along the lines of it's human nature to care what other people think. But when we are defined by it, we lose our capacity to lead. So when we're defined by someone else's story than our own, we lose our capacity to be a leader in our life. So, oh, give me chills. It's a form of victimization, right? When we do that, we allow ourselves to become somebody else's story in a sense. And that takes us out of the, in the, in the David Emerald zone, takes us out of the creator mode where we get to manifest something new. But every behavior that we exhibit, I know for myself, every behavior I exhibit is relative to the story that I'm telling. Uh, how I'm going to communicate with you, Rosie, during this interview is impacted by the story I tell myself about who I am, who you are, who we are in this space together, who I am with Jen, you know, all of that. And same with how I interact with Jen at any given moment is relative to the story I'm telling myself about who she is in relation to me, in relation to the company, the work that we do, all those things. And if we're not paying attention to the story that we are working from, then we can very easily fall into this default mode where we can become the victim within that story. And then we're disempowering ourselves. And it happens so often and more often, I think, than we we realize. And it's kind of like, do you want some story that someone else created that may or may not be true driving your car? Or do you want to be driving your car, right? It's like, do you want to be the author of your own journey? Or do you want to let somebody else with their own insecurities, with their own challenges, with their own stories that they're bringing into it define you? We can play some extreme vulnerability here. I have enough problems with my own stories that I tell myself, <laughs> much less other people's, right? Like we're in a space right now where we are moving in the direction around this course that we've built and the Roundtable Storytelling Academy, which we are just so in love with having manifested. So we've got one foot in the future. We got one foot in the past and our past is decaying because we've put so much focus into the future, but it's still the thing that for a long time gave us the ability to move forward and I got all kinds of garbage in my head that's getting in my way around like part of our business is failing right now. And that it hurts my heart so tremendously. And I believe in what we're trying to step into. But sometimes I can be debilitated by the story of being in that transition as I am working to manifest what I'm so compelled to manifest. So my own story, <laughs> enough with other people's stories about me, like my own stories about myself are, are hard enough to navigate. There's so much in there that I appreciate. And one, I think as human beings and certainly as businesses, we go through evolution. Just go back to like when the pandemic hit and you look at the companies who had a very clear purpose, what they're compelled to do. If you use Simon Sinek's language, a just cause in addition to a clear why and purpose out in the world, 
they were able to dramatically pivot their business and like almost seemed like a complete, like, what the heck? Like, we're this company, this is our product and service, and now we're doing something totally different. But it was a different way to serve the purpose. And there, there can be some of that grief letting go, but it's, this is the next evolution, right? It doesn't dishonor that part. I think that, you know, when we look at, we evolve as humans, we evolve as businesses. There's a time when things were relevant and either we let them go or they change and morph and evolve. But I love that you're looking forward at your purpose and you're looking forward at what's next. So tell us about the story course, the story program, because I'm, I'm so excited to learn more about it. Essentially what we're doing is we are helping people unearth their own heroic nature within their own story. So part of it involves just understanding theories of storytelling, which are really cool in and of themselves, seeing how what makes a story really fantastic and captivating and emotional. And then we choose a life experience and we overlay those theories onto that experience. And through immense amounts of journaling and community, we help people to not only uncover their story, but we help them uncover their part in that story. We help them see the dragons that they had to slay to get to the end of it. And then they share that story within a safe place of community, which might be the most powerful part of the entire course is watching them say the words out loud, because that part is different than just knowing it and keeping it to yourself. If you have a story that is threaded with guilt or shame, that thread is going to be pulled loose the moment that you start speaking those words in front of other people. Yeah, it's like when you speak words to it, it doesn't have the power. Like keeping it silent keeps the power. And I love it. When I'm doing group work in particular or team cohesion work, and we get to a point where we invite them to share like their self-limiting stories or, or share some of this stuff, it's when we're in that space and we don't name it, our brain goes to, I'm the only one. It's just me. I'm the weirdo. I'm the freak, whatever. And then other people share and you start to see their heads nod and go, oh my gosh, you too. Oh my gosh, you too. It's like the normalization of humanity. We have these experiences where what people think their story is about in the first couple of weeks is different than what it evolves into two weeks later is different than what it evolves into two weeks later. And by the time they get nine, 10 weeks into the course to the point where they're actually sharing their stories with each other, they're accessing things they've never said to themselves before. And that's when there is the this profound catharsis because we have so much unprocessed emotion that lives in us and just the opportunity to keep unearthing more and unearthing more and unearthing more and then getting to that stuff that we've never admitted to ourselves, much less anybody else. And we get that out of our bodies. There is something magical that happens and generally taught me the, the importance of, of voicing because she has a very specific angle on how she learned that in her life, that it's not just the writing of our stories. Like we have to tell people there's a piece of the act, the act of actually saying it out loud that is a, a massive piece of the healing. So I think, uh, Jen, he just teed you up. First of all, I want to make the distinction between writing and storytelling. So I think a lot of people face this roadblock because they think, well, I'm not a writer. Well, you don't have to be a writer to be a great storyteller, right? It, storytelling is is really about 
sharing and experience. And I have always been a writer and I've studied writing on my own ever since I was a little girl. And I've written in journals ever since I was really young. And I didn't become a storyteller until I finally hit this, well, for lack of better words, a wall of pain. It started when I had my son was 20 months old when I gave birth to my daughter. And I had this like incredibly deep-seated fear that I just wasn't going to know how to love two of them and that he was going to have a lot of complex feelings over bringing home a new baby. And sure enough, he rejected me outright for a solid three months. And it was like my worst nightmare was unfolding before me. And I just didn't know how to carry the guilt of what I felt like I had done to him. And motherhood is hard enough as it is without all of those added pieces. And I was writing and I was writing and I was writing about it and it just wasn't doing anything. It wasn't giving me that cathartic feeling that it was supposed to, or so I thought it was supposed to. And then I actually ended up putting it online. I wrote a letter to my son, apologizing to him for all the things that I couldn't explain to him and all the things that I didn't know how to do. And there was an immediate release of all of that emotion by giving it space or rather giving it wings and letting it fly. And furthermore, there was an immediate reciprocation of that sense of emotion from other people. People who were like, I've been through it and it's really hard or people just holding space for your feelings. And that's when I discovered that a really intense amount of healing comes from connecting with other people in a really honest and vulnerable way. And that doesn't always have to be over trauma or pain. It can just be any part of our humanity, as you said, but authentically doing so. I was reaching out and saying, this is what happened to me and this is how I'm feeling about it. And having other people be like, yeah, I've been there and it's hard. And I'm here to sit with you in that. And that's when I really started to heal from a lot of my own stories that I had accumulated for a really, really long time. That's so powerful. What comes to mind is we know as human beings that we are meaning-making creatures. Like we make meaning from our experiences by creating story. Like that's how our brains are wired. And we also connect, as you said, we connect with others through those stories and through our emotions because we are neurobiologically hardwired to be in connection with other people. And so when we keep those stories to ourselves, and sometimes we need to, it depends on what it is, but when we share a story, right, we can fact check it, first of all, we can, you know, realize, oh my gosh, we're not alone, then it stops having power over us. And like with you, like you have an opportunity then to heal from it and write a new story. And I think. That's messy, uncomfortable work, but so, 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 so necessary. So you both are doing this incredible work, inviting people into this safe space to really understand how to uh, write and share their stories. What has been some of the greatest impact this work has had on people? It is so humbling, Rosie. It's like you asked that question and I'm overwhelmed with all of the emotion that I think we've been farming. Like I feel like we're harvesting in a way. So, I mean, today we had a 80-year-old woman who shared so much heartbreak from her history, and she's hilarious and poetic and brilliant, 
And today she just let herself tell her story without layering it with humor, which is like, she's so good at, and it is a form of mask. And the fact that she just let herself do that, we all then finally got to feel the weight and the exhaustion of what she had been through, which was super legit, like, oh, so real and human. But she gave herself that gift of shedding a mask that, that she wears really well and that people love her for. We get to see that left and, and right with folks. We get to watch them process through things that they absolutely 100% believe they will be judged for and then find a room of people who just shower them in love after they've shared. That's one of the most moving things for me to get to watch because we do it on Zoom for them to share their presentations when they finally get there. They are so held by this community. And that's another you know piece that Jen was mentioning is really important to, we're all doing our own work, but we're doing it alongside other people doing their own work. Man, it, it creates so much psychological safety so that people can explore these super hard things. Part of what's humbling is we're asking them to do really hard things to explore some of these pieces of their lives and their willingness to trust us and keep doing it and keep moving forward. And then when we watch them be freed of it, I'm entirely overwhelmed and in love with what we've created and what we get to do. And still, I think, in disbelief. And we're still trying to figure out how the heck do we amplify this darn thing and get it out to more people because it's working. It's really working. I can hear and, and see the passion. And whether it's a workshop or coaching, there is something magical about watching somebody like it's like a tipping point where they get out of their own way or a tipping point where they let some of that crap go that holds them back. That is just fuel for the soul and for the heart. So tell me, who is this for? Talk about this course. Like you said, it's several weeks long. It's on Zoom. Who is this for and how do they how do they get involved with it? I'll give you the brass tacks and then Jen can throw some color around. We have a whole slate of courses now. We have general courses. You can have any reason to, to jump. It doesn't have to be specific. We have a course that we're about to launch now. By the time this podcast is live, it'll be live. First time authors uncover the book you're born to write. Very, very deep, very heart-centered for us, part of our previous lives that we're carrying into this. We are putting together a women's, uh, women in story group that's just a psychologically safe place for women to explore stories. And we're going to continue, I think, with the specified versions because while it's the same basic structure of the course, it will also veer greatly relative to who's come together and why they've come together. I certainly could see a, a group of people coming together who all have a, a, a TEDx talk in them and they want the basis of that. What's the TEDx talk that you're born to give? That is manifested by the universe and the dots are there to be connected, the breadcrumbs, if you will, but we don't all know how to easily access that. I have to say, for the listeners who may not know this, so Corey, right, with your publishing company, so as part of Conscious Capitalism Press, when we're some of the founding authors, and I distinctly remember, I think it was you coming back, and you were like poking the bear, because you were like, where's your story? Like, you were like, you need to be vulnerable, you need to tell your story, and it was such an uncomfortable process. I was like, no one cares about me, nobody cares about me, and I'm like, I don't have a story to tell, right? And it was like, going to be all the buttoned up, like, no, let's tell the story of other companies, and you're like, no, and I have to tell you that from personal experience, that was the most most cathartic 
writing process. Like I'm proud of our first book, but that one, I distinctly remember I was in a hotel room going through a, a, another certification for a, a leadership assessment tool because I think the space they created there and you're doing self-reflection. And I remember one night I just went back to my hotel room and like the whole section in the book where I just revealed like it all. And it, that's, it came out and I was like, damn you, Corey. <laughs> same time I was like but you know what though that what's funny is I came back the next day and like they did a circle check-in and they were like what and I just said I just wrote this stuff and they were like wow and I was like huh maybe there's something to be said for actually like getting in touch with and writing your story so I have to I've never shared that with you Corey but I was like it's powerful I still love that you had a community to share that with so they could reflect that back because if you don't have that like you might have ditched it real quick like <laughs> that was a great exercise never going in the book it was almost like, you know, you're, you're just writing stuff like your own journal. Like it was like cathartic. I was like, I don't know, this is really going to go, but I'm just writing. And then I was like, crap, I got to send this in, don't I? <laughs> What's been interesting is then people will say, I feel like I know you now. And that's what happens, right? You can never unsee someone else's humanity, which is one of the reasons that we love this course for businesses, because people are starting to have a really different relationship with the work they do and how they do it, and who they do it with, and bringing teams together to go through this together is an experience unlike anything else, because your relationship is no longer built upon your accolades, and your degrees, and what you do. It all of a sudden gets built upon who you are, and what brought you there, and what unique superpower do you bring to reaching that company's goals? I just wrote that down. You can never unsee someone's humanity. So we built the course initially for a company who wanted their teams to go through it. So that was the origin of it. I'm sitting in a Stegen class. For those who don't know, Stegen Leadership Academy out of Dallas. A lot of conscious cap folks go through Stegen. I'm in my fourth year of the Dragon's Gap, which is the being course, the more spiritual course. And we're sitting there three, four weeks ago. And the conversation around connecting personal purpose to company purpose comes up and three CEOs in the room start totally losing their minds about how important this is. And we have got to nail this. And this is really hard. And then Vid, who leads the course, is like, as far as we know, nobody's answered this question. We don't have a systematized process to do this with lots of people. And I got up out of my seat and ran across the room to Robin, one of the Stegen coaches, who's in one of our classes right now. And I kneeled next to her and I was like, am I crazy? I think we've answered this. And then <laughs> Drew, who runs PCI, who's our client that we built this whole thing for initially, he's in the class. So afterwards, I'm like, Drew, we've gone 99% of the way. We just have to connect this last dot. And so we're building that out right now. And so we have answered the question. It's a really deep you know, it's 12 weeks of like deep emotional work, but a big piece of it is we're going to connect your purpose to your organization's purpose. So you know exactly why have I been destined to be here as part of what this company is doing? And people do not know that. They see it as coincidence. Yes. Why is this the company you work for? Oh, it was the first job that I got, or it's what I studied. And no, there's a universal pathway that you have taken that is destined to you to be a part of this bigger mission, but your purpose feeds into that. And they're going to clearly be able to articulate that now. And I am so thrilled and excited that that is going to be manifested. And we're going to watch the power that that has on an organization when hundreds of people know exactly why they're there. 
So for the people listening, let's say that they're not signing up for your course yet. They want to start to do some of this today. So what are some things that people can do today to start leveraging some of the principles you teach in the work that you do in the courses that you facilitate? Well, you can certainly come to our website and do a free preview. And then you will absolutely want to drop everything you're doing and sign up for one of our courses. I think you're speaking generally. So, so psychological safety is specifically within the workplace, right? We have three agreements that we use throughout the course. We also use it with vulnerability as sexy, our game, keys to psychological safety, presence, no suspending judgment and no fixing or solving. Like when we set up a structure for meetings, for conversations where we're going to just indicate this is what we are all going to do our best to do. We're going to be 100% with each other to the degree, absolute degree that we're able. We're going to suspend judgment. We're not here to fix or solve anything for each other, but to be with each other as we work through this challenge or this whatever's on the table that we're coming together to solve. That is an invitation for people to, to really explore and to be more authentic, to bring their authentic selves to the conversation. That is certainly one pathway to, to creating an entirely different kind of culture and environment. And all it really takes is saying it out loud. This is what we're going to try our best at. Not saying it's going to be perfect, not saying that we're going to nail it every time, but we're going to come into this experience with some intentionality so that we can create more vulnerability, so we can make room for people to take bigger risks while we're together trying to figure this out. What is making me think about the start of like team meetings or team huddles or committee meetings or honestly, even like family discussions, right? If we just say, okay, we're going to have these three ground rules, right? We're going to be fully present. This is a judgment-free zone and we're not going to fix or save, right? Like if we just started doing that, holy cow. I think one of the other things that like a tool that we often use when people are feeling a little bit stumped is say, what are you afraid of saying right now? Like if you were to ask yourself that question, what is coming up. If you're joining in for a team meeting and everyone's checking in, are you afraid to tell people, I'm just, I'm having a really hard time. This is what I'm carrying right now. Because what you're afraid to say might actually be of service to the people that you're sharing space with, right? Because you're also alleviating the chance that they are going to create stories around how you're coming to something. If I'm struggling with one of my kids and we've had a really tough morning and I show up at a call and I'm a little bit more disengaged than I would want to be by sharing that and opening up about that. Other people have the opportunity to offer grace for that. And they don't have to wonder about what's happening within the context of the room. So sometimes just asking yourself the question of what aren't you saying in that moment is helpful. And in the absence of data, our brains filled in with stories. Like we, we use the two word check-in, right? And, and it's interesting because someone will say like barely breathing or overwhelmed or whatever. And then you go, is there anything you're needing right now? And then make sure check in with them later. Like, what are you needing? But you know, if you check in and say, I'm on the struggle bus today, or I'm, you know, I'm having a day, um, whatever it is, then they go, okay, now they're not going to make up a story of why is Jen quieter? We will not tell a good story about that. We are very good at telling a story that is not in service to what we're trying to accomplish together. Yeah. Well, as humans, we instinctively need to watch out for the tiger in the woods. We don't need to smell the roses. So we are going to default to what feels potentially dangerous or threatening or scary because that's how we're wired. So to either offer that data or to intentionally 
look for the beauty in the space. It takes effort. So what else? What's another golden nugget, not to give it all away, but what else is something people could practice to get them on their path to being more effective storytellers? Certainly acknowledging the story that you are telling yourself and saying it right, like to be able to say it out loud to the person you're telling it about. So at this point, it's it's kind of become some second nature. Like I'll throw it out without realizing I'm even doing it. But okay, the story I'm telling myself about what's going on or what you just shared is this. Well, then I get to check it out with the other person. and. I'm always wrong. It's like, (laughs) we've so convinced ourselves that we're really good at this and that we can trust our gut. And man, we tell whacked out stories that are just not based in what the other person is experiencing. But when we say that out loud and get to check it out with the other person, then we create an opportunity to elevate the conversation closer to a version of the truth. And it's often a much more connective place. And then where can we go from there versus our internal stories can often be disconnective. I'm telling the story of why we're not on the same team, why we're not pulling the rope in the same direction, why you are an obstacle to where I'm trying to go, like all that garbage. And it simply might be, no, it has nothing to do with you. The backpack that I'm carrying today, like it's full of my kid stubbed his toe and cried all morning, or my dog did this, or I've got a parent in the hospital, or like when we know what's in each other's backpack, so to speak, emotionally, We treat each other differently with so much more compassion, so much more grace, and we can go a lot farther together as a team when we're aware of each other's humanity, not the way that we are simply obstacles to each other's intention. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Don't we make it all about us? Like we're the center of the universe. It's like, uh, come on, you know, like maybe I don't know if you want to say check your ego at the door, but like you're like, oh, it's not about me. Oh, go figure. So hard though, because up here, man, we have all these voices telling us about it. It's all about you, man. Come on. It's fantastic. As we're having this whole conversation, one of the things that I also ascribe to, which is why I'm so excited of the work you're doing and having you here is that we do tell ourselves stories as human beings and we do lose in our own fantasies. We do get our own way. We tell ourselves stories that help us feel safe, but they keep us small. They keep us from having the impact we want to have. And part of my goal in this podcast is to normalize the fact that that happens. So you both have been doing that really well, but I want to turn it on you each as human to show your own humanity. So I'll open up to whoever wants to answer first, but I want to hear from both of you. What is a self-limiting story that you still tell yourself sometimes And how do you move beyond it when it shows up so that you can still show up as a leader? Well, I'm caught in one right now, so I'll I'll throw it out there. A lot of my friends are fellow CEOs, and we run a smaller company than a lot of my classmates throughout life and and close friends. So I I can get stuck in, like, I know we've created something that is of immense, beautiful value. And when I start to talk to some of them about it, because I know they could take advantage of it and benefit from it, but I can start getting really weird and I can make the conversation super awkward because I'm like, there's some story going on in me that I'm going to be salesy or not authentic to myself or like some of it is the belief that if I just create the thing and put it out there, the world will see it and respond But then I'm like, well, but I have to tell people so they know to see or respond. And then it gets confused. And then I make it, like I said, make it kind of weird. And it's something that I'm like working with my coach on right now because I love this thing so much. The last thing I want to do is make people feel awkward when I talk to them about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's making me crazy, but it's like painful enough because I care so much about it that I have to come up against this wall of, of something that's going on for me that is, is causing undue suffering in myself that then gets expressed in a way that makes other people uncomfortable. I'm still actually kind of making the determination of what exactly is that story that's getting in my way. But I'm wrestling with it right now. And I'm, I'm like, I'm having that moment of like, oh, God, I've said this out loud. What have I done to myself? So we know it's a very alive, self-limiting story for me right now. And getting it out of my body is very good. So thank you for asking. As a CEO, too, I do that. Like, I, everyone's like, you do sales. I'm like, no, I don't. I hate sales. But I get passionate about talking about stuff that I know makes a difference. But then you'll have that story of, oh, gosh, I don't want them to think I'm salesy because I hate sales. Anyway, so I, it's, oh, my God, I'm laughing. But yes, yeah, so there we go. So you're, you're welcome that you spoke it. You spoke it into truth. And I love that you're working with a coach. So how you work beyond it is, right, you get someone to help you get outside yourself because we get in our own way. All right, Jen, you're up. What's the story you still tell yourself and what do you do to move beyond it so you can show up as a leader? I suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome. I'm an artist at heart, but classrooms were really hard for me. So I spent eight years as a professional photographer and I did that by just practicing, practicing, practicing and teaching myself how to do it. And I became a writer for in the exact same way. I just practiced and just the best way to find my voice was to use it. But I don't have a master's of fine art. I'm not classically trained in anything. And that often gives me that feeling that maybe I don't belong in this group of brilliant people who have been in that environment. Sometimes I think I'm here because I was just too stubborn to give up. And, <laughs> and so... <laughs> That's one of the narratives that I am always wrestling with in the trenches. And just as both of you guys have said, I think the best way that I work to overcome that is to surround myself with people where I can verbalize that story and bring light to it so those shadows can kind of drift off into the background a little bit more. But I think it's part of why the community within our courses, I think, is so important and is one of the most vital pieces to me because it, it does mean something to have other people reflect back to you the immensely beautiful parts of the story that you've lived. And so there's something to be said for who you share space with and who you share your gifts with and your story for that matter. A hundred percent. And as you're sharing, I'm like, okay, number one, obviously degrees can be helpful and there's nothing wrong with degrees. I have several degrees, but a degree does not make you an artist. A degree does not make you a leader. A degree does not make you whatever. And I mean, I coach people with lots of degrees and they also have imposter syndrome. So I'm just saying like, welcome to being human. So there we go. So are you both ready to transfer into our quick question segment? So fill in the blank. Living authentically is? Telling the truth. Cleansing. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? I get nauseous. Be brave. I love it. Corey gets nauseous and Jen's going to be brave and do it anyway. Fantastic. Love it. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? I share a lot, Rosie. I've told people about the employer I stole from, that I've been naked on camera. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'll leave a little something to be desired, won't it? You're leaving it now, aren't you, listener? Um, 
I don't know what's popping up for me right now is that I because I, I just am tickled by this, but like I love extreme vulnerability. And so I've been playing with what are extremely vulnerable questions to ask people. I don't know if that's th- that tantalizing, but Clubhouse every Tuesday night now we play vulnerability as sexy with groups of people. And I'm like bored of my old questions. So I've been leaning into what's the stuff that'll really break people into little pieces, but in a really loving, beautiful, positive way. Wow. All right. On that note, Jen, what's something people would be surprised to know about you? That's a hard question for me too, because I'm a pretty open book, but I think people would be surprised to know that love actually scares me a lot. For a person who wants humanity to love each other and to connect, it actually really terrifies me at the same time because it's such a risk. Love can leave us scarred, but it can also heal us. But I do think that people who know me from at arm's length might actually be really surprised too. Like I don't watch rom-coms. The bravest among us are the brokenhearted, right? Because so I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, well, that's actually a really good segue into the next one. What's your favorite go-to movie? Clearly not a rom-com for you, Jen. So what's your favorite go-to movie? I love Contact. It's an old one, Matthew McConaughey, Jodie Foster, and it's that whole beautiful blending of science and faith, and it's a fantastic movie. Nice. Corey, how about you? I'm Young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks. What's your go-to song? St. Lawrence River by David Usher. It's my safe song. It's a song that does not remind me of anyone else, of anything else. I have a a lately go-to that I'm going to share. It's a version of Fields of Gold, and it's by Eva Cassidy, who David Emerald. I listen to it every day, and it just breaks me apart. So I say something lightly. It doesn't have to be a thing. But what is something you can't live without? Coffee and hope. I think my answer has to be small doses of Jen. Oh, my God. That was drops the most. I, I joke about this, but it's so serious. Like, I'll talk for 10 minutes and finally make my point and then jen will say one sentence and i'm like oh yeah that so jen can't live without coffee and hope and you can't live without jen's <laughs> i love it it's fantastic we are officially a work couple it is confirmed it's fantastic okay what is something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy well i have a little dude but it's a little dog dude named Jax, and Jax is a hugging dog he likes to put his head right here and smush into you. And it's the sweetest damn thing ever. It just does something to me every time. And I just, I like to, and I push back on him and we just have this tight little doggy parent hug embrace that melts my heart. I'm fortunate to live in a house with all my most favorite humans and the dopiest golden retriever on the planet and the lovely coffee machine. And to have like a wall full of books and have beautiful music playing in the background and it's safe and wonderful and it's a nice place to land. I love it. And last of the quick question segment, what are you grateful for right now? Coffee and hope. (laughs) Coffee and hope, right? In this transition, we had to do some pruning yesterday and I'm coming to this somewhat heartbroken I'm so grateful for people who have been on this journey with us for such a long time and helped us get to this place where we are manifesting what is called for next. 
such beautiful, beautiful people who have made such big contributions. And I'm so grateful for all the heart that they brought to the work that we get to do. So my closing question for each of you is if you could challenge leaders everywhere to practice this one behavior that would create more human workplaces and equip everyone to show up as a leader, what would that be? For me, it is be the first to lead with vulnerability. Like nobody, When you're the leader, nobody else is going to step into that pool. If they don't see you step in first, if you dip your toe in, don't expect anyone to dive into the deep end until you're comfortable giving that a shot. But if you do, the world opens up. Yeah, I think mine goes along those lines. My, my default reaction when you asked was to recognize that leadership is a privilege and really like to come to work with that knowledge that it is a privilege to lead people in the direction of their goals and of your collective dreams is it's just one of the greatest things that we can do and in turn should also create a degree of humility. I'm Rosie Ward and this is Show Up as a Leader. To learn more, head over to peopleforwardnetwork.com and of course, hit that follow button.